Good morning, church. You know, I have a question uh, for you. Why do Christians always invite others to church? You know, we, from the beginning of time, since the formation of the Christian church, you will hear of evangelistic meetings, uh, uh, all kinds of means and ways to invite others into the kingdom of God. And why is that so? You know, uh, you realize that uh, this is continually uh, emphasized, whether by your church pastor, by your church elders, by your ministry leaders, that everyone uh, looks at it and says that, um, um, why, why, why is there a continual emphasis to bring others, to invite others into the kingdom of God? I want to entitle this morning as Operation Andrew. I don't know anybody here is called Andrew. Now, if I have a son, I will call him Andrew. Okay, uh, and at the end of it, you will know why, right? Uh, maybe we'll, we'll adopt some children <laughs> to be Andrews. Um, uh, as I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a Christian, my early years of my memory about the Christian church is that there will be long evangelistic meetings. And I thought the Lord has His divine plan because many of you who have been in church in the earlier years, the church used to conduct long, I mean long, evangelistic meetings over a series of 28 days. Then they reduced to 21 days. And I was privileged to attend those meetings even though as a boy I did not understand a single word. But they had incentives that if you attend more than 14 nights, you will get special gift. If you attend more than 21 nights, you will get the whole leather Bible. And I got my first leather Bible, the NIV leather Bible. Those days, it would be very expensive to have one. And uh, after faithfully attending a 21 nights consecutive meeting, and it had to be consecutive, right? Without failure. And I thought the Lord has His uh, training on me in the early days to teach me about patience. Because when you don't understand what is happening, right? What is the motivation? Is that I must get my attendance marked tonight so that I could get a gift. And why is that so? I could never understand that. And I thought we need to address the question today because I think in the ordination of elders to ministry, why do we ordain elders deacons, why is the pastor and the church nominating committee and the church board constantly asking people to participate in the church, to involve in the life of the church, to be the extended hand and arm of Jesus to this church. I thought this news that happened a few days ago strike a chord with me because this is a story from the Indian Ministry of Railways. Uh, in fact, this hero, uh, his name was uh, Mario Shaki was given uh, 50,000 rupees, about US $660, to award for his courage. Now, you understand the pandemic situation in India. It has literally gone out of control. And I think this is like one of the blip of a good news in the midst of all the uh, uh, tragedy that is happening across the entire country. And, and this real superhero, maybe we see the next one is the footage, right? Uh, you can see the, uh, the, the, the footage. And many of you probably have, have seen it before. Uh, 
see whether uh, can be played. And uh, you will see in this footage that there was a mother with a six-year-old boy who kind of uh, was walking, waiting for the train and accidentally, the boy fell onto the train track. And uh, Mayu Shaki, who was a real world worker, immediately dashed to risk his life to save this six-year-old boy. Because the mother was, uh, 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 her sight was uh, partially blind. So she could not see. That's why she was struggling for, for her child. And I thought this uh, clip, this, uh, uh, this, this image captures the essence of the Christian faith. Because when they interviewed this railway worker, Mayu Shaki, right? Uh, it was the big news in India. I mean, we have seen the news before. And this is what he's, he, he said. I think when I got it, okay, I, I didn't get his statement. Huh? Okay, this is what he said. Uh, he said that, why, they asked him, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Because you risked your life within those few seconds. You'll be gone. And the train could not stop in time. This is what he said. He said, I saw the kid falling and the train speeding towards him. There was no chance he would have lived had I not intervened. Then he said this. There was no time to think at all. I was determined to save him. I thought that sums up the essence of the Christian faith. We are always inviting people, sharing our faith. Why? People ask why. Today, for those of you who are new and exploring the Christian faith, if you are invited to come to this church, we praise the Lord for you for being here. For those of you who have been in church a long time, whether you are right now uh, over at the physical premise or you're watching online, the, the, the mission is the same. It's echoing the words of this railway worker, Mario Shaki, that there is no time to think. There are many people we are determined to save. And I thought we need to, to talk a little bit uh, through the scripture. Because many of you may think that, hey, I'm not like Hank or Kelly or the rest of the elders in this church. I don't have the gifts, you know. Uh, uh, why should I be, you know, I can't be involved in evangelism. I can't be involved in, in sharing Christ. You know, among the 12 disciples of Jesus, uh, many of you, even if you are exploring the faith for the first time, you know, the 12 disciples of Jesus, because it's splattered across all art, cultures, uh, sceneries, uh, productions, right? And, among them, you always hear names like Peter, James, and John. There is a guy called Andrew, seldom mentioned. In fact, he's in the entire four Gospels in the New Testament, the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's only mentioned 12 times. Out of the 12 times, uh, four times with the list of the 12 disciples. And only three times, there is a more slightly more description about him, maybe two lines, two verses. That's it. So I thought we should perhaps look at Andrew as one of our examples to learn as we want to recognize that indeed we are living in end time. I think if the virus pandemic has not taught us anything, at least it must teach us this, that nothing in this world is permanent. Everything will come and go, isn't it? Whatever you may have made plans for the future, the Lord disposes. You know, I, I realize that some of our churches, many of our parents want to send their children overseas. Now they are stuck. 
and the plans uh, could, could, could not go on. Uh, I know uh, the, the fortune of table has turned. For some people in certain industry, uh, during this virus pandemic, their businesses excel doing very well. Then you have those who have been decimated by the virus pandemic and they're struggling. And I know some people who may be very well to do and they call me, Pastor, please pray for me. They have never called me before. And they say, please pray for me because they have been severely affected financially, some of them physically in different places. You know, that day, just I think a few months ago, uh, there was an a, a online uh, meeting and we were talking about uh, uh, why, uh, what, what happens uh, uh, to, to the situation. Uh, what, what, what happens to, to uh, the virus pandemic? And the, uh, the church officers from the different places gathered together and they were talking. And before we begin the conversation, they said, please pray for some of our brothers and sisters in Indonesia. So I would say, what happened? I would say, in Bandung, our Adventist hospital, I think two or three doctors passed away as a result of the virus pandemic. And, 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 and we have many Adventists had been severely affected because of the COVID virus situation. And I think we, we need to look at Andrew again. No, um, Andrew, uh, never mind, uh, they're working out with the technical setup, right? Now, Andrew, um, as we know that from his background, he is a fisherman. He has a brother called Peter. And Andrew, his name means manly. Actually, from Greek, word means uh, a bit courageous. You know, if you have a boy, you want your boy to be manly, right? Not girly, right? We always say manly. So, Andrew is the right name, right? Uh, he's the strong. Uh, he has not gone to a lot of uh, schools. Uh, he has not uh, uh, gone for his uh, PhDs or his masters. He is just an ordinary fisherman. And uh, the Bible mentions... Uh, uh, let me see. Okay, they're still figuring out. The Bible mentions that uh, Andrew three times. So I want to do, uh, perhaps this morning is good. Uh, if this is not working, fine. You have your Bible with you, right? Uh, whether it's a digital version or whether it's a printer version. Uh, the first, we're just referring to the Gospel of John. Interestingly, only the Gospel of John has more exclusive mention of the disciple of Jesus called Andrew. And first version, first mention, is in John chapter 1. If you turn to John chapter 1, verse uh, 35. And in, in John chapter 1, in uh, verse 35, uh, this is the, the, uh, about the, the scene uh, of uh, where Jesus was about to appear uh, before uh, the world for His ministry. So in John chapter, John chapter 1, sorry, chapter 1 verse 35, here... Uh, Andrew was first a disciple of John the Baptist and then he had been following him for a while and then Jesus came and in verse 39 Jesus invited the disciples there were two disciples known as the first called disciples uh, Jesus told them in verse 39 come and you will see right and if you jump to verse 40 you can see on the screen right now it's being uh, uh, fixed thank you very much uh, it says that Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother. Now, it's very interesting. They like, he's so obscure, he's so unknown, right? 
Then we say, who, who, who is Andrew? Oh, okay. He is Simon Peter's brother. Have you been introduced like, you are somebody's uh, husband, you are somebody's wife. Uh, <laughs> they forgot your name, but they forgot somebody who is not prominent, right? Uh, 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 somebody's husband, somebody's wife, you are somebody's son, uh, somebody's daughter. And here, in, in the Gospel of John, say, oh, in case you don't remember Andrew, right? Uh, he is Simon Peter's brother, okay? And, and you will find that was one of the two, the two first disciples. Who is the other one? Most scholars concur it must be John. Because John never mentioned his own name. He always said the one that Jesus loved, the one. So it says, was one of the two who heard what John had said, who had followed Jesus. Right? This John is referring to John the Baptist. Huh? The two disciples, two, one is Andrew, one is the other John. The first thing Andrew did was what? Was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. The word Messiah means the, the saviour of the world, the one who is to come. And then what? What did he say? What did the Bible say in, in, in verse 42? And he says, Andrew is the he. Brought who? Brought him. The him is who? Is Peter to Jesus. That's it. And the first encounter, I think, kind of sums up the gospel, isn't it? That it is always bringing others to see Jesus. And then interestingly, in just three verses earlier, Jesus told the disciples, right, come and see. You know, this, uh, this theme is repeated across the New Testament. Come and see and taste that the Lord is good. I realised that uh, during the uh, circuit breaker and during this uh, virus pandemic, right, uh, there's something about uh, me that had never been explored or discovered. Is that during that time, you need to find food. And you begin to discover there are some nice food around. Right? Uh, you can't go uh, uh, to the place to eat physically, but you can uh, tap out, you can pack out your food, uh, you can ask for delivery uh, to, uh, to, be, to be sent to your home. And you begin to find, oh, this, this place is good. And you know, like, like, even though the review says it's good, right? You must what? You must go and taste for yourself, right? Like, yeah, they say this Lassin Lama is good. They say this uh, uh, Yong Tao Hu is good, right? They, they may say this and that, but until you taste it, then you can say, yes, it is good. And here the invitation is always to come and see that the Lord is good. And so Andrew is known as the first court uh, uh, disciples because, you know, his background is a fisherman. Uh, Peter, Andrew, James and John, basically they know each other pretty well. And it is through the ministry of Andrew that Peter came to know Jesus. Now, recognize this trend. He brought Peter to Jesus. He recognized that he is no Jesus, but he brought Peter to Jesus. And I thought uh, the Byzantine church, in fact, uh, three to fourth century later, they would call Andrew the first court. Okay? And, uh, and uh, they, they have churches that is basically named after Andrew. The question for us is this. If you're like Andrew, that you have found Jesus in your life, have you invited your friends, your family members, your loved ones, and all the people around you, whether in your workplace, in your school, to come and see and experience Jesus in a new measure than ever before? Uh, you know, the, the story uh, is about a wounded dog. It says that a small dog that had been struck by a car was lying by the side of the road. A doctor uh, was driving by and noticed that 
the dog was still alive, stopped his car, picked up the dog and took him home with him. And there he discovered that the dog had been stunned, had suffered a few minor cuts and abrasions, uh, but was otherwise alright. So he kind of revived the dog, cleaned up the wounds, and he carried the animal from the house to the garage. When suddenly the dog that he had healed jumped from his arm and ran away. And the doctor thought to himself, what an ungrateful little dog. He thought of the incident no more until the next evening, he heard a, a, a screeching sound at the door. You know, you know the dog, the paws, there was screeching sound. When he opened it, he saw the little dog that he had treated and brought another dog that was hurt. Isn't it the church to be like that? That we had been hurt, but we had been healed in Jesus. And we want to bring others who may be still wounded for whatever reasons to experience His saving grace. Point number two, the second mention of the disciple of Andrew. And uh, this is the context of the story of feeding the 5,000 because in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus uh, preached a sermon, probably a long sermon. I am thankful, you know, as that has a timing. So I must make it short and precise. Uh, that is good. I think it's a good culture. And here, there was a long sermon the teacher was preaching and then it was noon time, 5,000 men, excluding women and children, they were hungry. Where to find food? And uh, you will find that in John chapter 6, right? One of the disciples uh, said that uh, uh, to, to Jesus. Philip is the one. He says, it would take 18 months of wages just to buy a, a bread, uh, or just to buy a bite for each one. Uh, if you want to buy food to satisfy the crowd. 18 months of one body's wage, right? It's just to get a bite. Interestingly, you know, the disciples were scrambling for answers, right? But what did Andrew do? It says here in verse 8, right? While there was commotion, there was this uh, anticipation, we are hungry. What can, what can you guys do? We are here, we have been here long day to hear the Messiah's sermon. We have been listening to his preaching. So, what can you guys do? Andrew, this disciple, obscure, Simon Peter's brother, in verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, again, you see, in case people forget who he is, Simon Peter's brother, you see, just in case, it's like, Andrew, who's, who's Andrew? Who? Oh, oh, Peter's brother, okay. There we he says what? He immediately is a man of action. He does not have the answer, but he knows who has the solution. And then what? He said, here is a boy with what? With five small barley loaves and two small fish. And how far will they go among so many? And then, you know, Jesus said what in verse 10? Have the people sat down and he performed the miracle and fed the entire crowd. Everyone was scrambling for an answer. But Andrew, a practical man, found a boy with just five loaves of bread and two fish. This is a typical McDonald's meal. Uh, what, what do you call it? The full meal called? Uh, set meal. A set meal for a boy. Okay? Uh, you know, some artists will paint the, the, the bread to be very big pieces. Right? Uh, not, not factually accurate because it's a little boy. You know? Just mom says, you know, this is a packet lunch for you. 
in case the sermon was long, you have food there and there. This is your equivalent McDonald's food, not just for one person. And Jesus was probably waiting, what would the disciples do? But Andrew knew something could be done through who? Through the power of Jesus, the Messiah. And he brought this small little boy to Jesus. And Jesus performed the miracles and fed everyone. You know, who do you turn to when you are in a life, in life crisis? When you have problem, you have a medical issue, when you have a financial challenge, when your marriage is on the rock, when, when you may be losing your job and your health is failing and, and so on and so on. Who do you turn to? And I thought we can take a page from Andrew. Just two lines. He brought someone to Jesus. He always turned to Jesus because he knows in Jesus, a miracle can be performed. And in Jesus, he can fix all problems in life. He is the God of infinite resources and only God can do it. And that is why I think this is a very interesting understanding of Andrew. Because he's seldom mentioned, he's seldom spoken, and uh, seldom even uh, uh, drawn on pictures. Uh, you try to find a picture of Andrew, it's like, mm, among the 12 disciples, yes. Just exclusively, ex his exclusive portrait, not many. The last mention, uh, so this is the story, the feeding of the 5,000, right? Uh, and that miracle was done. The last mention, the third mention is what? Uh, this is in John chapter 12. And uh, you've got to understand the context. At this time, many of the Jews, they believe that Jesus only comes for the Jewish community. And he has no time for anyone who is outside. So a non-Jew is an alien, right? It uh, uh, is, is basically not welcome into the kingdom of God. The, the, the disciples' uh, understanding of, develop, uh, of, of the kingdom of God is in development at this stage. It's still developing. But Andrew had a, a, a missionary spirit and he, he, he sensed that the Messiah, Jesus, did not just come for the Jewish nation. He, he would be coming for all people. And in John chapter 12, there is a small little incident that you know, in John chapter 12, this is about the, uh, the uh, uh, preparation for the crucifixion of Jesus. And Jesus is about uh, to die. And, uh, and, and, and there's a lot of uh, a welcoming and commotion and, and stress on the Messiah. And here in John chapter 12, verse 20, right? Uh, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship to the festival. So the Greeks also heard about the good news. They came to Jerusalem. And then Jesus was probably protected by his disciples because the crowd was huge. You can understand that. And then what happens? They wanted to what? To see Jesus. And then they looked to who? Philip. Interesting, huh? Philip was the one also mentioned in the feeding of the five loaves of, and the two fish. You know, it's like, he says, no, 18 months of wage, can only get a bite. No, cannot even get a bite. You know, here again is Philip. Probably Philip and, and Andrew, good friends. And here they came to Philip. We wanted to see Jesus. What did Philip do? Philip couldn't decide. Probably he thought, oh yeah, Jesus is so busy. No time for you. He is busy. So what did, what did the Bible say? The Bible says that Philip 
went to tell who? Andrew. What did Andrew do? No need to do. Just bring the Greeks and told Jesus. And Jesus welcomed them. So, again, every time when Andrew is mentioned, he brings someone to Jesus. The first time, he brought his brother Simon Peter. The second, he brought the little boy with just five loaves of bread and two fish to perform a miracle. And the last one, these people who had been seen as outcasts by the Jewish community, they, they, they kind of quietly, secretly, can we see Jesus? Because they, they heard about the Messiah. And Andrew said, come, come and see Jesus. You know, I think uh, Andrew sees himself as part of the redeemed community, not as individual ministry. Now this morning, you have the ordination service here, wonderful. And I pray that God will raise up even more new leaders in the coming years. I want to thank Pastor James' leadership and his pastoral work in the church. I mean, it has been laboring for years. You know, the COVID situation is very interesting. It actually, in a way, uh, uh, I was talking to one church member the other day, and he says that um, COVID, he said, Pastor, I realized something. He said, the COVID is like a filter. Like during this time, uh, it helps me to filter whether I, my faith in God is true or genuine or, or it's just very shallow. See, I struggle going back to church. I struggle even tuning to watch the sermon online. <laughs> At least it's frank and honest. You know? and, and I think we all struggle with that. And I think the Lord has, has His uh, message for us. The time is short. And that's why we are invited. Like the, the railway worker, he goes out to save the little boy. You know, um, HMS Richard, uh, if you have... Uh, uh, Okay. Uh, HMS Richard is one of the uh, very respectable evangelists of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, in the 1920s, he started the Voice of Prophecy, uh, the radio program uh, broadcast across the world. Uh, he is well respected. He was a little boy when Alan White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, was still around. And he had heard from Alan White, he, he knew about the many of the pioneers of the church. And uh, HMS Richard has ministered to thousands and thousands of people through the various platforms that he had embarked on in ministering to people. He had been a pastor, he had been a scholar, he had been an editor. And he knew the Bible inside out. And one day, uh, I think it's Adventist Review, who asked him to sum up the message of the Adventist church. And HMS Richard said, two words, just two words. Sometimes I think within the Adventist church, we, we kind of confuse, we kind of miss up, like, like uh, we, we miss up and mix up. Like, so what exactly is the essence of the Advent message? And he says, Jesus only. All our teachings, all our doctrines must lead us to know Jesus better. And, and I thought, what, what a way to, to sum up our, our movement, isn't it? The Advent movement that we are to invite people to Jesus. Now, you may not be like Simon Peter. You may not be like James or John. But all of us can be an Andrew. That's, I think we are wonderful to have blessed elders to lead the church. But some of you may not find that you, your gifting is, is eldership, but you can be in deacons, you can be in ministry, you can be in youth, you can be in young adults, you can be in PA, you can be in worship. There are so many ministries, but we must serve. You know, uh, for those of you who may not know, my father 
uh, worked as a church pastor in the last 15 years before he retired. So there was a conflict of interest when he was the pastor for the Jurong Chinese Church and was a pastor for the Jurong English Church. The conflict of interest is between me and him. Because he says, see, see, my son, you do all the work. <laughs> I say, but you also get a salary. Say, yeah, but you're my son, so you, you do all the work. But what I want to say is that when he retired, so he told me, Johnny, I, I, I'm, I'm done, I'm retired. And we had a heated argument. I said, Dad, you're not retired yet. So no, I'm retired already. I said, say, you're retired from your work, but you're not retired from your mission. So why not? I said, the only day you can retire from a mission is that when you're no longer living, you're no longer alive. And I think, you know, sometimes in church, uh, I, I heard people say, oh, no, no, the church is now for the younger people. We are old people. We have done our part. I want to, I want to challenge you. Uh, your retirement is not granted yet. Uh. <laughs> you, you're only retired in your last breath. And I think that is, is a summation of our mission, isn't it? And if you want to impact subsequent generations in the church, that is what it has to be done. Because I think in our world, we are always busy. I think, I think we are always busy with many things. But I think busyness is, a, uh, is, the, is, is true, but it's only an excuse. Because if you go to, uh, I don't know if you've seen this picture before. Uh, uh, if you go to the general conference uh, office, right, they have this uh, painted picture there. And it's very interesting. The eyes of Jesus keeps looking at you at different angles. I think they, they have this uh, very uh, um, intelligent way of painting the eyes of Jesus. It's some, somehow like, whether you're standing to the left or to the right, right, you look at the picture as if Jesus is always looking at you. And it's intentional to send a message that Jesus is with us. And He's with the church. And He's with the world. I mean, the Adventists talk about Daniel and Revelation, right? The summation is what? God is in control of every kingdom in every chapter of history. He is in charge. So we have no fear for the future. But I think as a seven-day Adventist, as we are inviting people to come to church, we are sharing the message, sometimes we get tired and there is a lack of urgency. It was said that uh, uh, there's a little story about Satan. One day sum up his three lieutenants, top lieutenants, to his, his cabinet meeting. And they say that we must find a way to stop a group of dedicated Christians from effective work. So one of the lieutenants said, Huh, boss, we can convince them that there is no God. Well, Satan thought for a while, said, yeah, that they will never work. They know there is a God. And then the second lieutenant said, We will convince them, boss, that God does not really care about right or wrong. Hmm, Satan thought for a while. But he rejected the notion because he said, Too many Christians knows that God does care. And finally, the third lieutenant, he said, boss, I have a brilliant idea. We will let them go on to think that there is a God and that God cares about right and wrong, but we just keep whispering in their ears, there is no hurry. Take your time. No hurry. Take your time. And then the story ends by Satan immediately smiled. His smile was so long. He says, Act on the strategy. It will work. And I think it, it may be a, 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 a feeble, you know, a parable, but it echoes in the church today. And I think the virus pandemic teaches us one thing. Time is short. I, I think uh, even if you are not in the global uh, climate, 
Huh? Uh, you, 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 you understand the world. Even secular scientists think that the world is not doing well. It's coming to an end. And so I think the elders' ordination is, uh, is, is part of the church movement to empower lay leaders to rise in these last days. You know, Ellen White talks about at the end of time, if the laity work, the clergy, they will accomplish much more than just depending on the pastor. And the work will not be done. And the biblical mandate is never the way. I want to show you, I don't know whether I can, uh, uh, the, the, the logo of the Seventh-day Adventists, just in case, uh, the essence of it, do you see the cross? We are a, a, a people of the Word, the Bible. And the, the three sh- strokes represents the, the three angels' message, also represents the Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit that will come and engulf the world with the mission. You know, I, I want to share with you this, uh, I don't know whether we can see it. Uh, uh, this is the picture. Uh, that Jesus is coming soon. And you will find that it's intentional because the artist drew that it's every kindred tongue and people. In the past, uh, you see a lot of uh, uh, apologies uh, to our Caucasian friends. In the past, a lot of the people waiting for Jesus to come are just whites. And then they say, no, that is not, that is not correct. This is not biblically correct. So it's intentional that every race as far as possible is represented. To, to wait for Jesus to come. I want to share with you a, a, a video. Okay? Uh, uh, this video is taken about uh, three months before the virus pandemic came in. And this little boy called Ethan, uh, I was in Jurong Church, and uh, he is less than, that time he is less than two years old. And his father uh, and mom, every day would help him to sing the song. See, you can play the video out. When Jesus comes again, He comes with his, with his angels, right? And the trumpet shall sound and all the men shall rise. You know, this little boy, uh, Ethan, the parents intentionally every day sing him, almost every day, Jesus is coming again. And he had learned the song. So when he heard the song in church service, he echoed 
And in fact, uh, because I was videoing him, he was a bit shy. Normally, he sang very loud. Coming again. Whoa. Coming again. And then his, his, his father would kill him. Jesus is coming. Ending part. Again. He will, he will do this, a trumpet. Parents, you want to impact your children to have the focus that Jesus is coming soon? You've got to start to teach them now. You've got to be like the Andrew to invite them to know Jesus, to experience Jesus, to taste Jesus. For those of you who are parents or grandparents, you may have children. Some of them, I understand, they may not be in church. Pray for them. How the Spirit of the Lord can work mightily in their hearts and redeem them and bring them to Jesus. For those of you who are exploring the faith and trying to know Jesus, I want to invite you to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to end with the uh, uh, part of the hymn. You know, it talks about, uh, about being an Andrew. In that sense, you, know, you may not have the, the gifts of Paul or, or you may not have the talents like Peter. Right? And, and they use the word hidden. Hidden is someone who, who has no faith or religion. And he says here, you cannot cross the ocean and the hidden land explore. You can find the hidden nearer. You can help them at your door. If you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all. And I pray in the coming months and years, this church will experience a significant breakthrough that more lay people will rise up to the occasion and say that, Lord, this is my church. The time is short and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to move forth the vision, to invite others and myself, my family and everyone within my sphere of influence that they may experience the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when Jesus finally comes, like the small little boy Ethan, when we see the angels in these trumpets, we will be all caught up in the final scene of earth history. May the Lord bless us and keep us and protect us. Shall we all rise for the closing song? Yonder
everlasting love of God, the transforming grace of Jesus Christ, and the inspiring fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with this congregation and forevermore. Amen.